Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. My name is John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey friends, we're going to change things up just a little bit today and want to play for you the very last session of our Church Leaders Conference uh, 2022. And John Elmore preached the last session. We were finishing up our time. We'd been together for two or three days and it was John's kind of final charge to these church leaders to go back to be the church, to lead uh, in the ways that God had called them to do. And it was just a really great way to end our time together. So CLC is coming up. If you're interested in joining us for 2023, you can find out about that at CLC2023. That's CLC2023.com. And we'd love to see you this spring. So here's the message from John Elmore. It, it drives me crazy when something is not where it should be. I remember this as a kid. I remember it through college. I remember it like now as a dad of three that are eight, six, and four, and they put things where they do not belong, but it drives me nuts when things are not where they should be. And it will like, it's not just like that it's like, oh, where are my keys? Like, it will ruin my day. It gets in my head, it changes my mood, it changes everything because it's not where it should be because something is inside when it's supposed to be out. And so I wanna tell you about a few things that I found inside when they were supposed to be out. The first one, uh, this is painful for me to talk about. Our kids, uh, they're like gerbils, <laughs> meaning they're nocturnal. I don't know why. Like, we put them all to bed, they're so peaceful, they're there in their beds, and then I'm like sleeping, and, and oh, like a four-year-old boy is staring eye to eye right from the bed like a poltergeist with his little beady eyes, and he's like, can I have some Cheerios? I'm like, you psychopath, you, are, you almost sent me to glory. Like, go back to bed. And he's up like four times in the night, I don't know why. My daughter, Penny, our six-year-old, same way. We'll, like, we'll find her, like somebody will get up and, and you hear something, you're like, there's an intruder. You go downstairs and, and she's down there like eating Doritos at 3 a.m. like some like frat guy. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm like, baby, it's three, go back to bed. And she's like, I don't know what time it is. I'm like, hey, look, this is super simple. God's rigged the whole thing. If it's dark, you sleep. If it's light, you can come out. And she's like, and then daylight savings hits and all that change and it messes up the whole thing. So lock the clock. And then we're like, well, okay, hey, we're gonna get you a watch. And I said, look, baby, if it doesn't say six or seven right here at the front, you just go back to bed. And, and she's like, okay, okay, I got it. And then she's up. Again, all times, all hours, 4 a.m., like asking for stuff. And I'm like, baby, what happened? Like, why aren't you looking at your watch? She's like, I lost it. <laughs> and it's not where it should be, which is on her wrist. And I'm like, well, where did you lose it? She's like, I don't know. And it's not where it should be. And so the other day, she's like, daddy, I found my watch. And I'm like, where was it? Like groggy, like what in the world? And she's like, it was in my sparkle backpack. I'm like, it belongs on your, put it on your wrist. But today, as I was walking out of the house, I was like, hey, Penny, actually, can I have your watch? And she's like, why? I'm like, because I'm gonna use it to tell people about Jesus. And she's like, how? I'm like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, I need the watch. I'm gonna throw you under the bus to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> Stay in bed. The other thing that was not where it was supposed to be was this. I mean, like, what in the world is that? Like some kind of coach thing? Why does that have a lanyard on it? Um, 
Yeah, I hear you whispering it. This is a pulse oximeter, pulse ox. Our little four-year-old boy, we were on our staff retreat, and an uh, hour and a half outside of town, and I get a text, and, and my wife's like, hey, hey, Judd is not doing okay. Like, he's, he's like breathing through his stomach, like labored breaths. He can't stop coughing. He sounds like he's wheezing. He, do, he doesn't have asthma, but he was having some sort of like breathing response, and I'm like, and we got this silly thing because of the, this crazy pandemic uh, with like oxygen levels. I'm like, get the pulse ox. Put, him, put the pulse ox on his finger and, and check him. See what, it, see what the level is. And she's like, where is it? I'm like, it's in the medicine cabinet. Just, just at this point, it's, we're both feeling the urgency because we, we really need the thing and it's not where it's supposed to be. She's like, it's not in the medicine cabinet. I'm like, no, it is in the medicine cabinet. It's in the Tupperware, right by the Motrin. I know where it is. I can see it in my mind. She's like, it's not there. I'm like, get the pulse oximeter. Like, and, and she's like, oh, I found it. I'm, I'm going to do it now. I'm like, where was it? She's like, it was in my nightstand. <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> and, and we really needed it. We really needed it because his oxygen levels were in the 80s. And I had um, one of my buddies on staff is in the medical field, or was in the medical field. Now he's in the spiritual medical field. And he was like, hey, hey I don't, I don't mean to alarm you, but uh, here are my keys, and you need to go right now, and he needs to go, Laura needs to take him to the ER right now. And it was almost really bad. He's fine. Sometimes you forget to say things like that. Uh, <laughs> or at least our lead pastor, Blake, does. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where he is. Um, we really needed this, and because it wasn't where it was supposed to be, there was almost a really, really bad problem. Like if she would have let him sleep through the night, he may not have slept through the night because everything was seizing up. And we had another thing this year that was not where it was supposed to be. And, and you might be like, Dude, what is it? Did your transmission fall out? I'm like, yes, but it's not that. <laughs> this week, <laughs> that was a treat. Uh, we got this. And, and, it, and it told us that something was not where it was supposed to be. And, and what this was is there was breast cancer in Laura, and we needed to get it out. Um, it was in her, and we needed it out in a big way. And so things, when they're not supposed to be, when they're in the nightstand, when they're in the sparkle backpack, when they're in your body, and you need them to be out, um, because if they're not, it can create huge problems, and, and, and those are things but there's one that's like worse than all of them. You see, my deodorant said that it would keep my sweat in, and my sweat is out. <laughs> I went up to John McGee, and I'm like, what do I do about this? What do I do? Like, I'm gonna preach, and I don't know, I don't know what to do with that. It's like, man, you're, you're preaching, and you're gonna sweat. I'm like, I'm not even preaching yet. I don't know what's wrong. My <laughs> deodorant promised it would keep it in, and it's out. Oh. And that's funny, but it's not funny at all when it's God's people. When God's people are in somewhere, when they're supposed to be out, when God's like, I, I have you a place for you to be, I have good works prepared in advance where you're supposed to be, and then he finds you in, but you're supposed to be out, it's a huge problem because there's lost people all over this world who need shepherding. There's shepherds, sheep without a shepherd, as Jesus said, it's like, Hey, you're in somewhere. I need you to be out. And so we are told this, as Paul writes, by the Spirit 
in 1 Corinthians 10, 6, because we see it all throughout the Bible when God's people are in, but they're supposed to be out. Here it is. Now these things, looking back to the Old Testament, now these things took place as examples for us. You're like, oh yeah, like David and the Goliath, all the, all the big victories. Well, keep reading. That we might not desire evil as they did. And the Lord's like, hey, I want, you to, I want you to read all the way back through. Because you're given the temptation and weakness just as they were. And a lot of times they were inside when they were supposed to be out. And I want to walk you through some of the times that they were inside when God was like, no, you need to be out. The first one is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, you think about something within. Like they were made to walk and talk and be in fellowship with God. Like imagine that. And one day it will be. But for them, then because of sin, which was rebellion, Satan's lie, you partake of that, you'll be like God. And isn't it ironic, as soon as they do, Satan's gone. Like we don't hear from him anymore. Isn't that just what he does? Whispers those lies in our mind, and then you take that sin, he's out. Like where'd he go? I was just a liar, man. I just wanted to see you fall. But because of that sin and shame, then they're in the bushes when they're supposed to be out. And God's like, Adam, where are you? And it's, he's omniscient and omnipresent, so I don't think this was an, a question of geography. I think it was a question of like, what has happened? I want you to come forth, like confess there's something hindering our relationship because you're inside, but I need you to be out. And as they came out, he covered them, covered their sin and their shame and their nakedness. The next would be the Tower of Babel. Like the Lord says, rule and subdue. I want you to multiply and fill the earth. Like the ends of the earth, like by creation, it's yours. Like go, run, play, have fun, be free. And they're like, no, actually, we're gonna stay right here. Well, we're gonna make a tower, God. Like that's your will, but this is my will. And so we're gonna build a tower up to the heavens. We don't need you. We wanna be like you. And we're going to show everybody how great we are. We're going to all stay right here. We're going to be inside the tower. Even though you said go out, we're going to be here. And there's, there's disobedience to Almighty God that had them inside a tower when they were supposed to be out. The next would be the Israelites. Like Passover, all the plagues, death of the firstborn. One day they're slaves, the next day they're free. And they're literally walking out like looting Egypt with all the gold and silver. I mean, God, like miracles upon miracles as he's walking them out to the promised land. And yet they're in the desert. And they're in the desert for this crazy reason. They're like, hmm, man, this is nice, but those leeks and onions. It's like, what? Leeks and onions, you were slaves mistreated slaves, and I read them like, what in the world? And then I remember how I will look back at scotch and a bottle of Dewar's, and I'm like, dude, that was my leeks and onions, that I'll still like, I'll look back, and, and rather than living in the promised land that is in Christ, I'm, I'm like inside the desert of the flesh being like, man, but those days were nice, like I could lose myself in a fifth of scotch, numb out, sleep good, no stress. And then I am inside the wanderings of the desert, just like the Israelites. Another one would be Elijah. Elijah, like, we hold up, and, and rightly so. But there was another time, like, after 
uh, the, the miraculous showdown of the prophets of Baal that, that John talked about, and then the feeding at the brook Kareth where ravens brought him meat and bread in the morning and the evening, like that's some kind of Uber. <laughs> and, and, and all that God would do for him. And then the next place that we find him, after those series of naps and meals, he's at the Mount of Horeb in a cave. And God is like, hey, you're inside, I need you to be out. And he literally asks him, Elijah, twice, what are you doing here? He's in the cave. And God's like, I got, I got sheep without a shepherd. I got a whole nation going rogue. I need my prophet to be speaking truth, and you're sitting in a cave? You're inside, I need you to be out. I need you to go anoint kings. I need you to pass the mantle to Elisha. Go out, what are you doing here? You're in, you're supposed to be out. And then you've got Saul. And Saul's supposed to be leading the nation. Like it was supposed to be a theocracy, but they wanted to be like the other nations. We all know the story, and so they get Saul, and that was kind of a bad deal anyway. But, but Saul is supposed to be leading. And instead, a nation. Instead, he's sitting in his dining room with a spear trying to kill David because of jealousy and comparison because David has killed his 10,000s and Saul his thousands. And he's like, nah, nah, not on my watch. I'm the king. You, you bow before me, harp playing sheep boy. No, do you know who I am? I'll pin you against the wall. And Jonathan tries to stand up like, like don't do this. And he curses his own son because of jealousy, envy, comparison, covetousness in the flesh of not using to the Lord. And then, but then there's David, and, and we, man after God's own heart, but we know that David was in when he was supposed to be out because the spirit goes to pains to say, and David was in the palace when kings go off to war in the spring. And it's not that he was an adulterer and a murderer, what came first was passivity and apathy. Man, I'm just tired. I, I, I just would like to relax for a little bit, right? Like I've earned that, all the Philistines. I, I'm, like, I just be passive. And that passivity then would lead to adultery and to murder. And then there's Jonah. Man, like if there's an inside out example, Jonah like, you did it, man. <laughs> and we all tell that crazy story to the kids and it's like, hey, don't disobey. God will have you eaten by a fish. Good night. <laughs> My kids are like, I will wake you up at 3 a.m. if you tell me those scary Bible stories anymore. Uh, but you know, we tell that story and we're like, because of the, because of the, Disobedience, right? Like he's, he's going to Tarshish and he's fleeing from the commands of the Lord to go to Nineveh and teach them to repent. Well, you know what happened? It, it, it's not that, it's that he was suicidal. You know what he said to those pagan sailors? He said, oh, this storm's because of me. Like that's what this is. So pick me up and drop me in the ocean. I'm not gonna throw myself in because somehow I'm so self-righteous that I won't like commit the act. So you know what? My blood be on your hands. But pick me up, throw me in the sea, and I'm gonna die. And I'm gonna fall to the depths of the sea and the cords of death entangle me. 
man, I'm gonna cry out to the Lord. And God's like, no. No, man, my grace is bigger than you being in the ocean of death in despair because you think right now it'd be better off that you would be dead than you would go and proclaim the holiness of God and that they should repent. And so I know that you've just tried to like take that great escape. Uh-uh. Fish, go. And boom, God sent the whale. It wasn't like happenstance. This is the providence of God. As he spoke just as the fish to Peter's nets, he's like, whale, go. I go get my boy. And from the belly of a whale, he prays a prayer of repentance. You know why? Because you can't lead others to repent until you repent. And so there he is on the inside. And God's like, good, good. Now go out. And he preaches from the inside out after he repented, a message of repentance, and all of Nineveh, pagan Assyrian Nineveh, repents. How about that? Because one who was inside finally got out. And all these people inside, instead of being out where they were supposed to be, and it was because of various things, because of disobedience and and envy and jealousy and sin and pride and all the different things had them inside instead of being out where God needed them. But, but all of this was about to flip as the eternally preexistent son of God who was inside heaven was about to come out. He was about to take on flesh, fully God, fully man, walk this earth, and the one who was in would be out and would walk and talk that they would behold the glory of God in flesh. And when he rolls up, then the people who are on the inside, they come out. As he says to the fishermen in the boat, leave your nets and your boats and follow me. And they were in and they came out and they were never the same. And he says to Levi and the tax collector booth, leave your booth, you're inside, I'm calling you out. But it wasn't just those that he gathered to him. It was the lame and the sick and the lepers and the blind and the deaf and the mute and even the dead And so he says to Mary, who has seven demons in, cast them out. He says to the paralyzed man who friends, tore open that roof and let him in. Take up your mat, your sins are forgiven. And he walked out. Miracle before their eyes. But then later after all of that, he would be betrayed. We know this. And the night that he was betrayed, All of those disciples who said, we will never betray you. Sometimes we lay that all up on Peter. If you read, it says that all of them said the same. Not us, Lord. Me neither. But he's betrayed, and they go in hiding when they're supposed to be out. They're in hiding when they're supposed to be out, and Jesus goes to the cross and lays down his life for the forgiveness of sins. For there is no other name by which men are saved The Lamb of God goes to the cross and is laid in the tomb. And every other religion, every other false prophet, every other nonsense cult, all of their founders, they're still there. You can visit them to this day. They're still in. Only Jesus came out. And he did. 
He came out of that tomb conquering sin, death, and Satan when he came out because what was in the tomb was just there to put up finalities, to swallow up death with death as he came out. And then he says to those apostles, the same ones that were there, that were in hiding, they were now back out with their risen Lord. And he says to them, you stay here in, stay in Jerusalem because I'm gonna ascend to the Father and when I do, the Holy Spirit is going to break out. And so then they find themselves in the upper room and they're gathered together and they're praying and they're waiting and they're watching and they're praying and the spirit who was in heaven then came out and broke out on them flames of fire and they go out and the gospel is heard in every tongue for all those who were gathered in Jerusalem and the gospel breaks out. And those same cowardly disciples who were inside, they were in hiding now that the spirit has indwelt them, laid upon them, given them gifts. Oh, now they're out. They are out to the ends of the earth. And they're so in that you can't stop them until their life is snuffed out, as all of them, until the very end, were uttering, Jesus Christ is Lord. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the scriptures say, was shrouded in a mystery, that even it was inside, as kings and angels longed to look into these things, that even it was shrouded in a mystery, the gospel, but now, is out, and it's out. Listen to who it is out through. Ephesians 3, 7 through 11. Of this gospel, the good news, the euangelion, the unstoppable force, the only good news this world has of this gospel, I was made. I did not make myself, I was made. It was passively done to me. I was a bounty hunter killing Christians. God knocked me off my horse, took me from a persecutor to a pastor. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, not by works. There's nothing that Paul nor anyone else could ever do to earn anything. It's all grace, which was given me by the working of his power, not mine, his power, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the nations the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Why? Why? This mystery that was shrouded, how's it gonna be seen? So that through the church, through the church, you, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known every nation so that through the church, the light of God, through the church, manifold wisdom of God, the plan hidden for ages now revealed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according 
to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so here we have this spotlight. The spotlight's been shining the whole time. Whole time shining. But it's not doing a lot right now. It's not doing much because there's something inside that's supposed to be out. And the light of God hitting it is blocked. And it's blocked by the things that the Lord warned us. Consider those things that are written that have taken past so that you are not led away by evil desires as they were. Because church, we're not immune to it. Adam and Eve are sin and shame that can cover the jealousy and envy and comparison like Saul. The Lord, this is hard and I would frankly rather die than go seek and save the lost of Jonah. The discouragement and despair of Elijah. Like I'm the only one. He's like, no, there are 7,000 others who have never bowed the knee to Baal nor kissed his idols. But we can start to think like it's just me. But when those things are rightly laid at the cross where they are supposed to be, and you behold the glory of everything the Lord intends to proclaim, all of that prismatic color, it's the word manifold. You look at the Greek word manifold and it means variety of colors. This full spectrum that the light of God through the church when it hits the church, the full expression of the mysteries of God proclaimed to the world, to every nation, that there is one true God. He created all. Every living being communicated, created in his image that they might dwell together but separated by sin. And so he sent Jesus, fully God, fully man, to die in our place and rose again to show that he is the only one the propitiation of sins, that the wrath of God would be satisfied by his atonement, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit that indwells you, and not just that, gives you gifts, but not gifts for you, gifts for the church to encourage and upbuild and give them consolation that this gospel would never end to the ends of the earth. It was inside, and now it's out. But the question is, We've been inside all week and we've been filled up, but there's some people starving out there. And so you gotta ask yourself, now that all those things have been laid upon the cross, no longer marking me, that the full expression of God might be shown through me. And I want you to take a look around at yourselves right now because you're washed in prismatic light. It is the manifold wisdom of God in the fullness of Jesus Christ all over you, church. You're inside now. Will you go out and proclaim your resurrected Lord that those who are in sin might come out, that those who are dead might be out, that those who are in shame might be out, that those who are in Satan's control might be out, because there's no other way. This conference began with something that you all don't know about. It began with something that was inside and it was supposed to be out. TA went to go up to the chapel for a talk, to go up there and like prepare, and he walks into the chapel and there's a bride there, like straight up bride dressed in a white dress. And he's like, oh, 
so sorry. And, and frankly, the staff, we were like, what is she doing? Did she ask anybody? She doesn't belong here. She didn't get approval for that. Doesn't she know we're having a conference? And I'm sitting here in worship this morning in the preset before any of y'all came in. And I'm listening to the words, and I'm singing the songs, and I'm talking about Jesus. And God was like, you remember that bride? Because the bride is here. The very bride of Christ, the church, that seal, see this bride in white without wrinkle, stain, or blemish because he is in heaven now, but he is coming back. He is coming out to redeem the church and everyone. And so if you would, and if this is true, then stand. Stand and sing that every knee would bow and tongue confess, all hail Lord Jesus.